Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast. This is episode 18, and today with me from New York, I have Alize Utering. Hello, Alize. Hello, hello. How are you? you? Good, good. Oh, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Yes, Alize. Uh, Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Is it Uterin? Yes, Uterin, yes. Uterin, Alize Uterin. Alize, you're originally from French Guiana. Yes. Yes, and French Guiana, for those of you that do not know, is a country in South America. Uh, French Guiana is also technically, politically and economically, culturally a part of CARICOM, the the Caribbean community. Uh, They speak French and they are a part of uh, the overseas territories of France. Is that all correct? Yes, it's all correct. Yes. Okay. So, Alize, tell, you're, you're currently living in New York. I would love for you to just tell our, um, our listeners a little bit about who you are uh, before we get into your entrepreneurship journey. Please talk to us. So my name is Alice Uterin, so I'm from French Guiana. I was born in Cayenne, but I was raised in Paris. So all my life, uh, I live, I mean, I went to school, I live in Paris, so I'm a real Parisian. But at the same time, I embrace, of course, the Caribbean culture, because, you know, my parents went back home, and uh, I used to go back and forth. So I truly have the European and the Caribbean background. And I've been in uh, New York now for eight years. So... Um, I used to before have a master in human resources, so I used to work for big companies in Europe, and then I came here. Of course, I was started. I was I came as an expat, and then uh, three years ago, I uh, created my own company, Alize Lavi Media and Magazine too. So, which is all about the media industry and communication, and uh, my magazine is a lifestyle magazine, international, multicultural. So overall, um, yes, I'm just a female entrepreneur <laughs> from the Caribbean uh, trying to uh, make a name for herself. And uh, yes, that's all. <laughs> okay, now um, your bio says that you have extensive and varied experience. You're an artiste, you're an international dancer, you've traveled worldwide with different troops. It says you've worked in human resources, payroll, and experience, as you mentioned, with global companies. You've also worked as a model and as an executive assistant for a modeling agency. And you've become a member of the US National Committee for UN Women, advocating for gender equality and the empowerment of women. So you have a varied background. Tell us how you managed to acquire all of that experience. Uh, Of course, it's very challenging, but uh, uh, I truly, think you don't have to be in a one working in one field. It's very important to have a multi hat. And uh, during the daytime when I used to, to be a payroll specialist, I was working for my company and during the night time, you know, I used to do dance. So I have a different studios. And uh, all of this truly really helped me to, to grow. And then when I came to New York I got even a different position like you know uh, at the same time, working, going to school too, because I want to improve my English. So I have the equivalence of my master in human resources. So yes, I believe over the first years here were very, very difficult because uh, it's very hard to 
I mean, to scratch, scratch from, to begin from scratch, when, you know, I, I do like a big executive in France, and then like, you know, going back to school, and uh, doing kind of, uh, after that, you know, uh, trying to make more money, because uh, New York is a very expensive uh, uh, city. But at the same time, I was thinking, you know, the minute I made the decision to come to the United, uh, to the United States, uh, for me, it was very clear. I could not, I mean, I have to uh, get the same level that I used to have, or, I mean, even better. So it didn't matter how much work I was putting or effort, for me, at the end of the day, uh, I have to make it. So it was a lot of sacrifice, I have to say. Uh, I'm not going to say that everything was perfect. Uh, no family here. Uh, no friends, so it has been very, very hard. And I remember the days like, you know, I was crying too because I was working 60 hours a week yeah, and then going to school during the weekend. So it was very uh, <laughs> exhausting. And, uh, but uh, it never came to my mind by doing all of this, like all these sacrifices, like, you know, I have to give up because I made the choice. So for me, I have to go for it. And uh, the three first years here, I never seen any member of my family because for me it was very important to succeed. I mean, to achieve my goals before you know, I, you know, I get connected with my family or to see well, when going back home. That's the way you know I, I decided to live my life. And um, I'm, a, as I say, I'm a go-getter. So. Uh, it's very important for me, whatever I do, I go until the end and achieve what I want to do. So I think it's um, three, depending on your motivation, your ambition, and your personality. So, um, yes, and uh, I know it's not so easy because, you know, not everyone is able to do that. But I think, like, uh, when you want something, you truly have to put, you know, effort and uh, work and, uh, until, you know, you achieve what you want. Okay. All right. Now tell us a little bit about New York. What made you move to New York and how did that come about? Oh, New York, when I was younger, uh, I came for the first time, I came with my sister and we came uh, during like a school uh, trip. I mean, you know, it was an exchange. And at the time I was maybe 15 years old and I said to myself, you know what? One day I will come back to the city. I love this city. I will walk. I will live there. And, uh, that was it. And I always, like, you know, wanted to come back. I came back after that. I was in my 20s, but just for vacation. And then when I went to Czech Republic, where I was working for my company, and I stayed there for two years, I said to myself, now is the time. Because before, I had always an excuses. And also because, you know, I got a good opportunity in Europe. And also, but uh, I always get this idea to say, OK, you want to do that, you don't have kids, they're not married, so you should take uh, this time to, I mean, just to see the opportunity. And then when I was supposed to go back to France after my two years in Czech Republic, uh, I decided to, I mean, to, just to go to the United States, especially in New York. And then, you know, my life started here and uh, the rest is a story. <laughs> okay, so how long have you been in New York now, Alize? Uh, it has been now eight years. Yes. Eight years. I'm about to become a citizen. Okay. All right. So now you run Alize Lavi Medium and Alize Lavi Magazine. And this is an international multicultural bilingual magazine. And as you say, another 
exciting and new challenge. Okay, so tell us how this, how did Alize uh, Media and Magazine come about? Uh, it's very simple. When I came here, yes, I work a lot, and uh, but I work also for different, you know, people and. Uh, I, People, they were taking, taking advantage of, you, uh, of me. You know, sometimes, especially in America, you know, yes, America is a big dream. You know, everyone wants to come to America. But once you get there, I mean, uh, I still think it's the, the, the land of the dream here. But at the same time, you know, so you meet so, I mean, during your journey, you meet good people, but you meet also bad people. <laughs> so that's a learning of, I mean, that's life, you know, so it's a learning of experience. And um, actually, I was working for, you know, for these people, and they were taking advantage of my knowledge. So, and sometimes they were even pretending like, you know, since I'm French, you know, I have a heavy accent, I won't be able to make it. And you know what? By saying that to me, most of the time, you know, I didn't believe that. But I say, listen, that's something, you know, that should definitely encourage me to get better and to show them I can make it. And, you know, I, you know. When finally I made the decision to uh, um, create Alize La Vie, uh, meaning just, you know, um, build up my um, company, it's really because my last experience, I was working for my boss and um, he did some, uh, some work and he put the credit on his name. Nothing was about me when mm. I'm the one who work. And from that moment, I remember I said, no, I can't. I have to stop that, you know, so I can let anyone you know, take advantage of my, my knowledge and not saying anything and just say they're working for these people where they don't deserve it. So if I have to work hard from this moment, it will have for me, it will be for me, uh, working as much as I want, but at least at the end of the day, uh, all the results will be on my, you know, effort. So yes, and from that, I say, okay, what about giving me you know, for the name of my company and, you know, uh, I wanted to have something like, you know, that um, looked like me. I mean, you know, my uh, meaning like sharing my vision, like, you know, reflects my vision. And I said, okay, first I will give my name, Alize. I wanted just at the beginning, just give Alize. But Alize is French, it's already for the drink, so I couldn't take this name. And I said, why not to have Alize? My parents were there on vacation, and I remember I was on the couch saying, oh, what do you think, guys? You know, what kind of name I, should, I could uh, give to my company? And I said, Alize, um, oh, la vie. La vie, why? Because, yes, it's French, but I wanted to keep the French touch. But la vie is all about life, you know. So everything you are seeing, you know, in my magazine or whatever I do in my company is really about, like, uh, uh, experience, life experience. And uh, this is something I wanted to share with the world, to build up something like, you know, people can share that experience, like me. Because, you know, if I'm there today, it's because of all this experience that helped me to grow and to become who I am today. Right. And tell us about your magazine. Who does it serve? Who are the readers? And what type of articles will they read about in, when they open your magazine? So the magazine is really uh, about culture. It's really uh, sharing different cultures. So I would say the target is more women, you know, so because uh, I think I mean based on the numbers, but we have also, it's, it would be 60% uh, for women and 40% for men. Uh, and I'm very surprised because the more and more we have more men, you know, into, I mean, the magazine. But because I think uh, the reason why is really uh, about the content, very diverse. It's very, uh, we have people from different countries sharing their story. And it goes from the celebrities to the one who's not even known by anyone. And uh, my goal by doing that, it was to, to give a platform where international platform where people can truly share their story and say, listen, I've been doing that. Yes, 
but you know, behind the scene, there are so many things that you know that you don't see. And despite all of this, I was able to make it. So if I can do it, you can do it too. So, so yes, and when I started, I had people try, uh, to try, try to discourage me, saying, oh, that's kind of utopia, because, you know, you can have everyone on the same platform talking about their story, like, you know, so, and, and you can please everyone. But I have, I have to say today, I'm very proud of, you know, what I've been doing, because I have people went from different, I want to say different countries, and cis, it's not just black, we have, like, Chinese, we have, like, uh, uh, European, you have like Indian people, some countries, even Sri Lanka, you know, and when, you know, the magazine just um, been launched, I remember like, you know, the first country were uh, America, France, and Japan, and I've also like Egypt. So if you ask me today, how was it possible? I don't know. I just feel that maybe there was a need because it's not about having a magazine because I think everyone can do a magazine. But it's about the message. What kind of message do you want to convey where people, you know, can be, um, I mean, they, they, they finally, they, they want to know more. And especially for me, where I didn't have any experience, you know, I came from nowhere. And because of that, like, you know, my, my I would say, my pride is to say, like, you know, I was able to get a different culture on one product where people, they can identify themselves, uh, see themselves in everything you know these people they do that they don't know and uh, i have this russian lady said to me she's an artist she said to me thank you so much i learned so much with your magazine about you know some country from africa some designer like you know and this for me it's priceless and the magazine talks about everything you have like uh, um, united nations topic so where like it's kind of very happening because usually people they don't really get into that but the way i i put things together it makes it very attractive to people. We have people who talk about, you know, their, um, it's more about um, human story when, you know, people, they, I don't know, they are sick and they finally, you know, they were able to overcome, you know, their disease. Um, we have also sport. We have also non-profit, you know, we are talking about, you know, some association where we can share, you know, what they do and how to raise awareness. Uh, we have also um, culture and heart and uh, fashion so literally this is all about and of course i forgot this part we have also an entrepreneurship sex section from the kids and from adults where like this i mean any talent or any entrepreneur can uh, share their story so that they can inspire others all right and this is a glamour magazine yes Yes, I mean, people at the, time, at the beginning, people were like, oh, it's a fashion magazine. No, it's not a fashion magazine, but I know why. I think, first of all, I know, so when I started here, I started as a model. So I've been in the fashion industry for many years. So it's kind of difficult for people, for them to take away this fact. I'm not just about fashion. <laughs> so yeah. I, I've been into fashion here. But before, I, yes, I was an artist, but I also have a corporate background. So sometimes I'm, I feel like I'm forced to hey guys, yes, I used to be a model, but I have more to offer. Don't just stick to the fashion side. And also the people who are there, we have diplomats, we have politicians, we have like uh, kids, we have like, you know, you know, any kind of type of people, people who have a story that like, you know, can help or inspire others. But of course, the way I put things together is where I think I stand out compared to other magazines. It's very about um, glamour. I'm going to make it very creative. And I don't copy, I don't pass anything. Like, you know, I know, of course, I know what's going on with other magazines, but you will never see any uh, interview in my magazine where it's just like uh, something has been done before and I just put back on my magazine. No. 
whenever I do something, I make sure like it's truly really customized. Like, you know, I'm talking about your story. And I have to make the effort to understand, you know, why you did that, how you came up to that. That's what I do. Right, perfect. And just to let the, the readers know, your magazine, some of the content, it includes fashion, art, culture, beauty, hair, lifestyle, travel. As you mentioned, United Nations. You also have some world news. You have a cinema and theater section as well as music. So it's actually very, very diverse. And your current issue, which I am actually browsing through at the moment as I speak with you, uh, can be downloaded online on the website. So if individuals are interested in finding out more, they can go directly to the website. So, okay, Alize, um, tell us what is it like running a magazine? Because as you know, our listeners are women in who either have ideas or they're looking to start a business or they've just started a business. And a magazine is can be very difficult. You run an online magazine. Are you print as well or hard copy or are you just online? No, actually I'm online. I mean not more online, but I have also print issue. So when I, I'm I'm in the works to get the magazine printed, I mean to, to get the magazine the outlet. I have already uh, some I mean printed issues, but I didn't sell. I, I was just you know promoting them. Uh, I mean going to some you know meet some advertiser or even uh, board tourism, and of course you know everyone loved the mag. I think the the print issue is even more you know because you know you can feel it you know it's different. It's a different thing. But as you know today it's more about digital. So my focus is more on the digital. But I, I plan to have of course if I can you know get the magazine out there, and probably even you know on demand. Because I think like uh, not everyone wants to read the magazine online. Some people they are more comfortable, you know, having the magazine in their hands. And um, yes, and to respond to your question about you know how does it look like I mean to run a magazine, I have to say my magazine is my baby. But uh, <laughs> I learned on the spot. I didn't have any idea what about what I was going was doing. So, but more and more I learn, and after now three years and a half. I can say it's very challenging. You truly have to be passionate. You truly have to have the uh, the desire to to write, to 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 get this magazine running. Because I'm thinking, you know, it's a lot of work, and you know, you, you, you can't even count the times, you know. So the hours, you know, I, I, sometimes I don't even sleep, and to make sure, you know, I, I fit the deadline, and um, and the most difficult also is to find I mean, a, a good team because. When you start a magazine, no matter the topic, whatever, like, you know, so, and especially if you want to do, I mean, something, deliver a, a good quality product, you have to make sure you have a team backing you up, because at the end of the day, like, you know, if you do all the work, you don't, you don't be, like, you know, so overwhelmed. What happened to me, I have to say, I used to do everything on my own, the translation, everything, not because I wanted to, but also, I think, the, when I started, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, this magazine, I didn't start with a lot of money. Because I didn't know what to expect, but uh, of course, you know, having other people, that means you have to pay them. So, and I didn't have half the budget. So, from now, you know, at the time, you know, so I was lucky enough to have some people who share, I mean, my vision. They love the idea. And I think when I got the first issue that I did on my own, it was two dozen pages, people they truly love. And naturally, people they came to me. And I got some people who work for me, at least maybe for one year and then two years. 
But guess what? Yes, I didn't pay them. But you know, they put as much as they could, like you know, their effort, you know, so their motivation. And some of them, you know, so after that, you know, I started paying them. So my point is to say, like you know, the minute you find people, you know, who believe in you and, and believe in what you do, you can find people, good people, who are willing to help you grow and grow with you. And then when you have this kind of people, you just have, have to remember afterwards, you know how to reward them, how to give them back. Because it's not just having people using their, their time, because as you know, uh, time is money, and valuable, so uh, whenever you have some people to get involved with you, you have to make sure, you know, you don't forget. You know, so, and uh, because of that, I grew, though, I mean, I get even more, like, you know, uh, confidence, and uh, these people to me supporting me, and also today is about Alize, but I have to say that I have a very loyal team, and you're not like that all the time. And today, if I keep moving, it's because of them, because they gave me the response to say, no, Alize, we can't, no matter what, we will we'll be with you. But you have to be there with us too, because without you, you can move forward. So it's all about dedication, having the right people, and also the funding. The funding is key, you know. Even though I started with not that much money, but I think if I have to restart, I will have maybe uh, more about you know, the strategy, the marketing side, and maybe I would have had all this, you know, setback, you know, so because I lost money too, huh, I have to say, huh? because I make also bad investments. But at the end of the day, it's all lessons. I'm glad today I have to get, have to get through that because, you know, I learned from that, and now I'm moving forward even bigger. So sometimes you have to know how to lose, you know, to get even better, even more. Right. And let's just recap some of the challenges for our listeners who I said may be interested in taking this path. Firstly, there's the funding issue. Uh, you said running a magazine is quite expensive. So that's one thing they have to consider. Second thing you said is human resource. Uh, like with anyone, starting anything from scratch, building a team can be very difficult. Because as you mentioned in your interview, people are very excited initially, but when, it's, when, it, when it boils down to getting the work done, no one shows up. So it's, you, you have to find people who are committed to your vision. And I think every entrepreneur knows that you will never really find anyone who believes in your vision as much as you, because it's your vision. So you need to really go out there and find people who are passionate about the cause and who are willing to work for it and who understand it. And they really have a desire to get involved in it because they believe it's something bigger than themselves. And that is generally very difficult. So that's the second thing. And then the third challenge you said is, is content. How do you go about making sure that your content is, is dynamic, it's vibrant, it's readable, it's interesting, that it's capturing the beauty and the essence of, of your ethos, which is diversity and culture and celebrating all the, the brilliant cultures of the world. And that is the most difficult too, because you, know, you have to make sure, you don't want to, I mean, you know, you have to make sure everyone is represented. So whenever I do the, I mean, I work on the content, I make sure, you know, so I don't say like, you know, there is like a quota. Um, I should have like a 20% Chinese, but I still have to deal kind of the idea to make sure I don't uh, give more, you know, let's see for my black people or, you know, so where I put like weight uh, less, I have to talk like that, but I mean, <laughs> because we'll, we'll talk about diversity, but let's be frank, you know, so, I have to make sure like, you know, there is balance. I don't put more 
and the content for let's see you know uh, it can be for uh, white people or and or it can be like for asian and it's very difficult because you know people are very sensitive you know so uh, i'm a black woman running a, a i would say international multicultural magazine so i want to make sure by doing that like you know so I try to attract all the community so that they can see themselves. That, you know, of course, we can please everyone, but it has to be general because I think, like today, there are a lot of you know uh, magazines about our black community. Like you know, I think like you know, I want to do something more global because today, like we tend to go, I mean, to like, globalization. So it's very important. It's not because I'm black; everything has to be black. But I'm very proud of being black. But it makes me even even more proud when I've seen like you know. People they don't expect sometimes I'm black behind this concept because they might think it's uh, obvious it might be a white woman or white whatever. But you know, so and when they found out, they are even more surprised because they're like, "Wow, to take this initiative to get something like that, it's not something like a very common, you know, because we tend to today like you know to be you know it's more about you know having like you know saying with white people with black people, and I don't stand for that. I stand for equity." I think you know we need to work together, and the best way to do it is to learn from each other. So for me, my my magazine is truly really like a, our as I call an active actor of peace through art, through culture. So that's the way I see things. Yes, great, perfect. Okay, so thank you for that. Now let's move on to um, being a French-speaking Caribbean woman. Okay. What are your thoughts on female entrepreneurship throughout the Caribbean region? You were asked this in your interview and you gave a very enlightening response. And I'd like to discuss this more. And can you please just tell us your thoughts on that? What is it like being a French-speaking Caribbean woman operating as a female entrepreneur? And what are your thoughts on female entrepreneurship throughout the Caribbean region generally? You've touched on it a little bit where you said you're French and you're Black and so on, but within a Caribbean context, what is it like? Um, what do you think it's like throughout the region being um, French? Uh, I would say like, uh, I think I said that in my interview, like uh, being French uh, Caribbean entrepreneur, uh, it still make a difference. Uh, I can see because I live in New York where there is a strong community, uh, community of Caribbean people here. I mean, most of the time, you know, so I, I can see, I mean, we are not getting involved. I mean, it's almost, you know, they forget about us. I mean, I'm talking about the, the French side, huh? Caribbean side. Whenever I go to some event, even networking, I might be the only one, I would say, the French Caribbean countries. And whenever I come there, they kind of surprise. And I'm like, why they should be even surprised? Because at the end of the day, we are, you know, the same. I mean, and uh, unfortunately, I think because of the culture, because of the, uh, the language, there is kind of barrier. Mm. And uh, more and more, like, you know, I've been in touch with a lot. I went to the Amer uh, Caribbean Chamber of, uh, Commerce of, Chamber of Commerce here, and it's the same fact, the same uh, constant that there's no French Caribbean, you know, uh, entrepreneur. So mm. if you ask me why, I truly think it's truly because, like, you know, that, yes, we are, we are all the same, but at the same time, you know, we, diff we share different culture, and that has a big impact. And because of that, we don't we don't um, encourage you know, to work between ourselves. So and it's understandable, you know. It might it's going to take a long time, but I think like if you have some people like me going, I actually think myself I have to go for that, you know. Uh, otherwise, like you know, nothing is happening. 
And the same thing when I, you know, the reverse situation, like, you know, so I'm pretty sure, like, you know, uh, if French Caribbean women, they meet, like, you know, they would be more, like, kind of, I mean, uh, distant because they don't really know where I think, like, it's a very big mistake because we need to work together to interact because I can tell you, I travel for, I mean, I want to both, I mean, of course, I'm, more, I'm from there, but I, want, I, I travel a lot in the Caribbean. We have so much in common. And usually, it doesn't have to be a Caribbean woman. Most of the time, we have a lot of competition between women. That's a fact. But I think, like, you know, it's even worse in this situation because we don't have the same, you know, um, tools. We don't speak the same language. And I think because of that, uh, there's kind of, like, you know, um, miscon um, I mean, we stand, I mean, everyone stays from each other, I mean, apart. And which is a big, uh, I think it's a, uh, big pity because oh, we need to work on you know reduce this gap between uh, the both both regions. I have to just to tell you something. So, uh, simple example. There is every year like the uh, Caribbean Carnival here, mm -hmm. okay, in New York, the, one of the biggest events you know uh, in terms of economy, bringing at least four million people. When I went to meet the the, the president of the this association, uh, Caribbean, when I met, I came. And I said, I would love to have like a carnival band from French Guyane. And he looked at me and said, oh, wow. But, you know, you know, I never heard about French Guyana. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and he said to me, this is the first time I see a French Caribbean woman. I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know? Mm. So just to show you something, I was, I was about to, the, to bring the Council of France to, to, to take part of this event. That was the first time in 49 years. And they, mm. I mean, the Council of France is but they don't have also the, the knowledge that France is also, I mean, embrace, I mean, we, Martinique, Guadeloupe, you know, it's all about the French Caribbean. So just to show, I think it's, there is a lack of uh, uh, curiosity to know what's going on in our region. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess there's no interest. And this is where I feel like we need to work on that and make it, make it like, you know, we have to find out a little bit more about what's going on in our region so that we can work together. Yes. You know, something you, you touched upon. I, um, I myself, I was born and raised in the Caribbean and I lived, I lived in the U.S. for a long time prior to moving to the U.K. and uh, lived in the U.K. for a while and prior to moving to where I live now in China. <laughs> so I moved around a bit. And one thing I can say for sure is that there is definitely much more awareness about the English-speaking Caribbean than the French-speaking Caribbean. This is a fact. Now, we, this isn't a political show, so we won't go into all of the different uh, facets as to why this is. That's a separate conversation. But one of, one of the things I wanted, really, when I started the platform um, Secret Birds HQ, was to make sure that we highlight countries in the emerging markets or in the developing world. Because we all hear, we always hear about the Americans and the British and the Canadians, and it's always about the West. But I believe that there's so much entrepreneurship happening in the developing world. And it was very important for me to start a Caribbean platform because the Caribbean, there are a lot of female entrepreneurs in the Caribbean. And more importantly, to make sure that all of the Caribbean was featured. You know, I didn't want to have a platform that was just Jamaica, Trinidad, and Haiti. <laughs> you know, nothing against those countries. I'm a West Indian. I love all of the Caribbean. But I wanted to make sure that we also heard about Puerto Rico and we also heard about St. Bart's and we also heard about people in French Guiana and we heard about um, people from just countries that 
are somewhat obscure or, or perhaps people have heard of them, but they don't know. Because like you mentioned, there's a lot of ignorance within the Caribbean region generally about each other, whether it's the Dutch Caribbean places like uh, Suriname and places like Curacao or the French or the English or just generally about what is happening. We know Haiti, but we know Haiti because Haiti is a very political country, okay? So we know a lot about Haiti in, in America for those who live in America. But it was, I am glad you touched upon that because it was very important for me to make sure that I created something that was not just repeating the norm and, and perpetuating the same stereotypes and the same tropes of the Caribbean woman being this particular woman from this particular country. And I think it will take a lot of education and it will take a lot of time. Um, and you mentioned, yes, there, you know, amongst women, there's a lot of competition. That's a separate <laughs> conversation as well. But I think for the woman that is empowered, the woman that has a strong sense of self, the woman that knows who she is, this, this competition isn't a problem. Okay. No, no, no. So it's, it's a, yeah, it's a different kind of woman. Um, you also mentioned something in your interview. You said that, uh, the, the global, globally, the French Caribbean region needs to learn and be inspired by our English Caribbean neighbors who are more advanced when it comes to entrepreneurship and particularly in the field of women. This is something that I actually spoke to someone in London about who, because you've got a lot of French people who move to London as well to start businesses because they say, you know, in France, it's just so difficult to start a business. Why do you, what do you think it is about French culture versus Anglo, English speaking culture? that makes it so difficult for people to be entrepreneurial. Because in the Anglo world, entrepreneurship is very much what you do and it's very accessible. Why do you think, what, what, what is happening in France and in French culture that makes it so difficult for people to become entrepreneurs? I think it's truly about the education. In France, I mean, you know, so I, you know, I did that. All my CV, I, I got them in France. And it's truly about, you know, your degrees, which school you went. You know, if you are not like, you know, coming from a big school or whatever, like, you know, you don't have that much chance to have like a great job, like, you know, so, and there's nothing like, you know, uh, in the system pushing you, I mean, to become an entrepreneur. I mean, it's very important in France, I have to say, like, you know, that you go to the, the best school, like, you know, so, and uh, if you need to have at least a very, I mean, high level degree, otherwise, like, you know, you don't have that chance to have like a, to, to land a great job. And uh, entrepreneurship, even in France, I mean, we are far from America and any, any other Anglophone countries. And I think also in this system for I mean, any Anglo-Saxon countries, it's more about you know, your skills, about what you can do, that what you, 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 you get. You see what I mean? When I came here, I didn't have to show any of my degrees. I got my first job here. You know, check what I was, they just felt like, you know, so I have the potential, like, you know, so say, okay, just show us what you can do. And that's the way I learned my own major. In France, we never see that. What I'm doing here, I would have never been able to do in France because there are different things. Uh, of course, maybe the color, you know, because yes, France is, I mean, a very nice country, but we also face kind of like an issue when it comes to, to uh, racism issue too, huh? you know, so I used to work for Manpower and uh, they used to put some code for people. I mean, of course, I was, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't have to say that, but, you know, so uh, if you come from like an African country and you have like a, a, a name like, you know, sounding African, you are not going to get anything. 
it's sad to say, even though you have the same, you know, degrees, the same background, and in, I mean, even uh, European, like, you know, so, no, that's, um, it's sad to say, like, but this is the way it works. I mean, that's something we don't say, but we don't talk about, but that's truly, I mean, that's, that's exists. And then it's very complicated when you have to uh, create a company. Right? Here you can, in America, you can uh, start a company even with $100, easy. In France, if you don't have $50,000 to start your business, I mean, you know, so, and then you have all the taxes. So it's very difficult, very challenging. And again, like, you know, they don't give us, and as someone, they don't give us, I put myself as a young uh, person, like, you know, the opportunity to show what you can do. Uh, it's truly, I feel like you truly have to be in a system, like kind of protocol, like, you know, so you have to get a, you know, a master, whatever, and even when you have that. There's no guarantee that like, you know you're gonna have Anthony Lee. I mean, he's from France, but he did all his studies in uh, Bordeaux, in France. Um, he was telling me like he made the decision to come at this for one year. I mean, for an English, you know. So he said all his friends, France Convention, they don't even find any job. You know. So okay. and guess what? He has been here for six months. I've already found him some job here, working with some publisher, like you know, doing things he has never done before. So I can explain to me that like, for someone who have never had, you know, just spent six months, was already you know, getting more activities than he has never had in his own his life. So, yes. I mean, and, and the education and the mentality. But I think they are starting getting there. But, you know, it's going to take, again, a long time. And the sad part, the sad part also is that all the young people now, they move. You know, they, they don't stay in France. Go to uh, England, they go to America, other countries, even Africa now. Africa becomes to be like a trend now, you know. So, because you know, we gave them a chance, where in France, very difficult. Yes. Yes. Thank you for explaining. Thank Thank you for explaining that because everything you've mentioned is um, things that I myself have heard before, both from both in London and in in America from French people. Um, like you said, the barriers in terms of uh, ethnicity and just culturally the mindset and that it's quite rigid, as you mentioned, in terms of education and what school you went to. So um, it was good that you that you really explained that because I think there are quite a few people who may not really understand that. Um, I think um, it's 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 different in France. <laughs> I think many many people love France for many different reasons, but I think living and working there is very. If you're an ambitious person, I think it's very difficult. Yes, and I have to say also, and it's even more difficult for the French Caribbean because we have this complexity of identity. Because mm. in some way we are Caribbean, like any Caribbean of Trinidad, but at the same time we are also European. But French. When, yes, French. And when you come, let's say you come from your own, uh, own country and you come to France or studies, now you realize you are not anymore French, but they consider you are a black person. You understand? So all of this, like they say, yes, you are French because you have the French overseas department. But the minute you get in France, they make me feel like, you know, you are not French. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah. So and, then, and then when you get around Caribbean people, Caribbean people are like, oh, well, what are you? Are you French? Are you Caribbean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, can, I can totally understand where you're coming from. I think, you see, the problem with the Caribbean is that we are, we are the products of colonial societies. We have colonial heritage. We have colonial history. So, and many of, many of the islands, some are still fully dependent 
Not all Caribbean countries are independent. And for those countries who have become independent and have managed to um, create an identity for themselves, they perhaps are a bit more sound in who they are. But for those of us who still come from, you know, American or French or Dutch overseas territories, for example, if you're from, say, uh, not maybe not Aruba, but uh, Curacao or Bonaire, you're, you might have a different mindset living in the Netherlands versus someone from Suriname, an independent country. Yeah, so this, this is also, I think this, the colonial past has a lot to do with our identity, how we view ourselves. Um, you know, being in the Caribbean, you might be from Guadeloupe and that's French, but we all know when you get to France, <laughs> it's a completely different story. <laughs> you know, when I went to Diana too, and, you know, I was saying to my guy, Mr. Pierre, like, you know, hey, I went to, and I said, oh, I'm from France again. I was like, we are the only Ghanaians. You are not a Ghanaians. <laughs> you know, I said, what are you saying? The only difference, we don't speak the same language. That's all. Yeah, you and I think, I think the shame, guy. the shame is that you have to deal with this kind of uh, oppression, if you will, from in Europe, but you also have to deal with it from fellow Caribbean people, which is very disappointing. Uh, and very disappointing because you would think, okay, you have you share a very similar history to me and culture to me, and you should know better. But I think this will change with more education and more platforms that are being developed to bring Caribbean people together because we know unity is strength and we know that we're stronger together. So I think slowly this is changing. And things are getting better. Technology is bringing us together more and more. Before you and I are now online. I'm in China, you in New York, and we're talking, yeah. right? So <laughs> I, have to, I have to say, in eight years, you know, I've been doing a lot of work, and so you are the first one. I mean, as a Caribbean, I mean, interviewing me, like having interest in a French Caribbean female entrepreneur. I have a different interview, but it has never something to do with just Caribbean. You know, it's more like you know. Europe, you know, so I mean, I have different interviews, but not uh, focus on the Caribbean, you know, uh, feature like as a, myself as a French Caribbean entrepreneur. So, oh, yes, yes, please. I encourage you and all of the French listeners to visit secretbirdscaribbean.com because we have quite a few French women that we have featured on the website and they also do um, things for us in French. So, we're really trying to engage the French community, um, trying to engage the Spanish-speaking community. We have someone from Suriname, so we're trying to engage with the Dutch. We are really trying to create, um, I rather, I'm really trying to create a platform that highlights the uniqueness of the Caribbean. Right now, much of the articles are written in English, but this is going to change. Um, as we grow with time, you'll be able to read in English, Spanish, and French. Um, from Suriname, we have a lady called Muriel. Um, we also have Mylene, Mylene Colmar, who is on our website. We also have a feature from Axel, who is Axel, I believe, it told me she is from Guadeloupe. Yes, yes, but she, yes, but she does a lot of work around the French-speaking Caribbean. Uh, I also have a lady on the website from Martinique. She runs a she runs a what do you call it a a travel company in Martinique. I believe it's called Be Leslie Ferrati Beyond Beyond Caribbean. So yes, 
there's definitely lot, you know, lots of space and lots of room for French-speaking Caribbean women on the Secret Birds platform. And um, I'm trying my very best to get a lot of women from this region involved. So we're not leaving you out. <laughs> and uh, also the Spanish-speaking Caribbean, we have someone from two women from Puerto Rico, one from the Dominican Republic. Um, uh, we, we have someone who is Panamanian, um, trying to get uh, someone who is Costa Rican. I mean, the Caribbean is not just, you know, these little islands. It also expands to Panama and Honduras, to certain parts of Venezuela. So the Caribbean region is quite big. So really trying to make it uh, as diverse as possible. And so there's a lot, there's a lot of, of room for women from the French Caribbean. So we invite you to get involved. We invite you to um, engage with our community as much as, as, as you would like to. And now we are about to conclude. So in conclusion, Alize, what inspirational tips do you have for women in our community who may want to start their own magazine but they have no clue where to start. So they, they know they have this idea in their head. Okay, I want to start a magazine. That's what they know. <laughs> but they have, they've never done it before. They don't know where to begin. They don't know what to do. What sort of practical tips and strategies do you have to offer to them? If you do what, what I did, I mean, of course, in your, so then you will see, but I mean, first, follow your heart. Follow what you want to do. Like, you know, if something you want to do, you want to go to a magazine, go for that. But then think about what will be the purpose why you want to do that i mean what is the purpose of that and uh bring it to life you know because you know you will never know until you try you see so people they're going to discourage you they're going to say don't do that you know you don't have the means whatever like you know when i started i had no, no clue okay i just wanted to share stories i just wanted to write and look at three years later i mean you know three two years later where i am now so of course everyone has their own story but I think like, you know, if you have this idea, this vision to have your magazine, you know, think about, you know, what is the purpose? Why? Especially why you want to do it. Don't do it because you see all the, all the other people doing that. Because you don't know what's behind, you know, so it has to be true. I mean, it has to come from your heart. It has something like, you know, you're truly passionate about that. Passion is very important. Without passion, if it's just an idea, but, you know, you just want to, I mean, do something because it's trendy, like, you know, don't do it. Because at the end of the day, people they will feel, you know, wherever I go, especially with my magazine, I'm very passionate. I feel like this is my baby, you know. So it doesn't matter how much difficulty it is, like, you know, all the challenges. Because at the end of the day, when I write my editorial, I'm so proud. And I, I feel like, you know, and anyone I could join the magazine, for me, I learn from them, you know. So for me, it's really a purpose. I feel like it's a mission for me. You know, beyond just having a magazine, it's more than this, you know. So my, my advice is really like, you know, define, I mean, yes, go for it if it's your passion, define your vision, bring it to life, and most, and most importantly, don't, I keep saying that, but it's true, I mean, don't do it just for money, don't do it like a first, I mean, a first for business, do it because it's a human interest or something like you think is going to be impactful, because in life, you know, if you, don't, if you do things just for money, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, what is the purpose? You want to do something that is going to have an impact on people's life. That people yeah. will be able to identify, they will be able to follow, and most, of them, most importantly, to, to be inspired so that they can get better and improve their, their, their lives or whatever they're doing. You know, that's, I think that's truly priceless. So if you can reach out and if you can make 
an impact in people's lives, I think like, you know, that's the best way, I mean, for yourself to grow and, you know, to feel better about what you do. And that's the way I see my, I mean, this is my vision, so. No, that's wonderful advice. That's great advice, actually, because I think a lot of people, a lot of young people um, are being misled sometimes and they don't have the right guidance. And especially with media and the things that they see, they're chasing money and they go throughout their whole lives chasing money. And then they get to that point where they realize, oh, okay, I'm, I'm not happy <laughs> or I'm not doing what I really want. And, you know, as cliched as it sounds, I think when you, when you serve, when you find that thing that you're good at, that you really like, some people call it passion, your skill, whatever you want to call it. When you find that thing and you decide you're going to use it to do something good for others and you pursue that, the money does come. It always comes. But if you have this mindset that you need to do this because this will make money, what you find is a lot of those people end up becoming very miserable or very unhappy because they're not doing what they truly want to do. And I say that, I, 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 will caveat, I will caveat that by saying, I understand that we all have bills to pay. And I understand that many of us don't have opportunities to go out there and just do what we like because maybe we have to support our family, our extended family, or whatever the case may be. And I get that. But when you really find something that you like, even if it's just doing it on the side for a few years until you can find a way to develop it, or whatever it is, you can always find a way to get that thing done once you have the drive. And your advice is very good. You have to know why. If you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, you're never going to pursue it. Uh, we have our community book called It's 10 Steps to Flight, and it's called Know Who You Are and Know What You Want. And you really have to understand the why behind what you're doing. You know, some of us will go throughout life and never really understand who we are. But at least if you know why you're doing this, and with you, you have a very clear vision, and that keeps you focused. So if you don't have that, you will never really, um, I think, achieve your true potential. And that's so much of that is what you just said. So that is very good advice. And now tell us um, and our listeners, our lovely birds, how can they reach out to you? How can they find you? Uh, give them your website. Give them, if you're interested, your Twitter. If you want people to contact you via email, maybe you're looking to collaborate with people. You want to do work with people. Just tell us how we can find you, what you're looking for, and what, how we can work with you to help your magazine to grow even stronger. Okay, so, I mean, I'm... I'm very accessible actually, so I try to be as much as I can. Yes. So you can contact me via different uh, social uh, media. So uh, Facebook, Alize Lavi, <laughs> very simply. Twitter, which is Alize Lavi Media. Uh, Instagram, Alize Lavi, and Alize Lavi Magazine. And uh, via our website, www.alizelavi.com. And of course, I'm very open to have any uh, relations, I mean, to work with other people, like, you know, uh, even to represent some countries, because of course, you know, I try <laughs> to get some different representatives who can share the culture, whatever happening in their island, you know, so, but to get that, I need to have some interest, or at least people who can be interested and, you know, come to me. So usually, like, you know, most of my, my contributors, when they start with me, they just send me a an email or a note telling me, oh, they love what they do and they would love to share, you know, something about their country, you know, so, and this is how it started, you know, so I have people from Sri Lanka, I have some people from Jamaica, but I mean, there's always more space, you know, so the minute, if you are committed and you love, I mean, if you like what I do and uh, you want to 
showcase something special about your country, you are welcome to join our team. Great. So if people are looking to work with you, to collaborate with you, if people want to reach out to you, maybe they want to feature you, or maybe they want uh, to work with your magazine, they know how to reach you. Alize, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I'm so honored to have you um, on the platform to represent French Guiana, to represent French-speaking Caribbean, and I can't wait to get more of you on this platform. Soon, the French-speaking Caribbean won't be some, you know, uh, something unique. You'll be just like everybody else in the Caribbean, <laughs> you know, doing, doing what you do, and everybody will know about you. So we have to continue... Um, working together and making sure that we can we can show all of the amazing talent that's coming out of the countries in the French-speaking Caribbean on our platform. And also French-speaking countries, because this is a developing uh, country platform in Africa. You know, the women who are in Guinea and in Cote d'Ivoire and all of those countries. So there's a, there's a lot of work for us to do. Yeah, yes, and definitely I think we can, uh, I mean, make it bigger and uh, I mean, make a difference. But as I said, I will finish by that too. Um, don't be afraid of uh, um, about your accent. You know, so when I started in this country, people they say you will never be able to uh, make any business here because of my heavy accent. Guess mm. what? Then people say that to me today. They look at me and so they say, "Oh, it's because of them. I'm there here." <laughs> you see? You see? So don't let even you know uh, your accent, you know, being a barrier for everything you do, or be a shame or uh, scared of because you think, "Oh." You know, when you're going to speak English, you know, because I think it's what also a big, uh, this is where, I mean, everything comes from also. Some, some people are not confident when speaking English too, the French accent. So don't let that, you know, uh, drag you down. Go for it. At the end of the day, they will understand you. And if they don't, you repeat again. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone has an accent. We all do. Some of us, our accent is a melange of all the different places we lived or the cultures that we grew up in or the different languages that we speak. Um, nobody has a perfect diction. I think these days of, oh, you speak like this, I think this is over. We live in a global village now, you know, that's, it's a global society. So many of us have lived and worked in different places. I think um, for someone to say you can't achieve something because of your accent is a joke. <laughs> I think these are people who are perhaps just a bit threatened by, by your ambition. So just ignore them and keep going. Um, there's, there's room for everybody. So, you know, don't let, don't let the fact that you have a French accent or, or any accent for that matter stop you from doing what you want to do because you're, you're a perfect example of someone who you have a French accent. It's very clear, but I think you should be proud of that though, to be honest. And you haven't changed that to try to fit in and you've allowed that to become a part of who you are. And that's fantastic. And there are people out there who will say, oh, I love a French accent. And there are people who will say... Yeah, and there are people who say, oh, I don't like it. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's how you feel about yourself. So just keep it moving, right? Okay, that is, that is good. Thank you so much. All right, lovely birds. So that was podcast number 18 featuring the lovely Alize Uterin. Thank you again, Alize, for joining us. Please come back and tell us how things are going, maybe in, in next year or when you embark upon a new project. We would love to hear. We'd love to know what's going on with you. And this podcast aims to empower, encourage, inspire, and support women in, the, in their pre-startup and startup phase of business. And I am certain that all of the things Alize said to you today have inspired you or encouraged you in some way. And please reach out to us if you would like to find out more information. All right. Thank you so much. And bye. Bye for now.